I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today I am joined by Fox Rehabilitation physical therapist, Carol Stemsrud. Carol, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. And I don't know if I included your entire title. Also a neurology clinical specialist? Yes. How do you use that in your day-to-day? I just have a lot of experience with neurology. I also have um, certified with neurodevelopmental treatment, just a lot of hands-on, a lot of facilitation. You're sort of like the Swiss army knife of Fox Rehabilitation. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I guess you could put it that way, just trying to do as much as I can without having to, you know, be in a clinic and have tools and machines and things like that. Today, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be the adult of an aging parent who is transitioning to assisted living. So, Carol, I'm assuming that you deal with this during your day-to-day, but you also have personal experience in being an adult of an aging parent who is transitioning to an assisted living facility. Yes. I mean, obviously with Fox, you know, we are primarily focused on the geriatric population. So this is something that we see every day. But also this past year, I have had to experience it in my own family with my mother. Sorry, it gets me a little no. emotional sometimes. <laughs> I have a I have a friend who's going through a similar situation, and I totally get it. So does your experience as a clinician help you out at all? Um, I think it does. You know, with my other siblings, some of them are in healthcare as well, but they don't, you know, they're not from the rehabilitation standpoint as far as, you know, equipment recommendations from our mother and looking at the facility and what does it have to offer. And just, you know, other programs, you know, what activities do they have, that type of thing. I think that that gives me a different view than my siblings. Yeah, with my grandmother, she did not want to leave her home. And it came to a point where she was falling and it wasn't safe for my grandfather to transport her to the hospital regularly. So it came to a breaking point where we said, you need to do this through your experience. Does it always have to reach a breaking point? I don't think it does. I think there's there's a safety aspect um, that sometimes that sometimes the person themselves will see. Sometimes it's the family that sees that. With my mother in particular, she'd had some falls at home. Um, you know, we had this the safety device. So she had the cell phone. She had the device that she could wear outside that she could call for help even outside. But she would go outside and not take those things with her. And she had fallen, but fortunately she hadn't hurt herself. But she also lived on a farm by herself, 15 miles from the nearest town of substantial services. And she is in South Dakota where the winters are harsh. And we were just really getting concerned about her out there by herself. Um, If something happened, you know, an ambulance has a hard time getting there. 
you know, all those type of things. And I think it was just really a safety concern. We started out with, well, we'll just bring her into assisted living for the winter. And then the transition came from that point. Did your mother like living in the senior living community? This was right after the pandemic, you know, and being at home, you know, she was going stir crazy, having to be inside and be by herself and not be able to go anywhere. So it did give her a change. She's a social person. It let her have the opportunities to socialize and be around other people. But I think, you know, when I had talked to her in the spring, she really did want to go back home. And then a few weeks later, my sister called me and said, well, mom wants to stay. She wants to rent out the house. We've got to go clean out the entire house. So it was kind of a little surprise to me, but it was my, it was her decision. And fortunately, my mother was of sound mind enough that she can make those decisions still for herself. I think a big part of that though, was she was trying to not worry us. You know, she didn't want to be a burden on her children. She didn't want us to worry about her by herself. You know, I, I asked her all the time when she first moved there, are you happy there, mom? And she would always say to me, I'm where I need to be. And I'm going to make the best of it. And even now, I talked to her last night on the phone, and I didn't even ask her. And she came out with that twice. I'm where I need to be, and I'm going to make the best of it. What a mom. Like, that's <laughs> such a mom thing to do and say. It, it, my mom was just, I, I, I look back at all the things that she did. She was a farm wife, so she was a, instantly a farmhand. Um, you know, she raised four children. She managed the house. She helped manage the books for the farm. You know, she just did everything. She was mowing her yard outside up until 88, 89 years old. (laughs) And so now it's hard to see her just not doing those things. And I think that's the big part that's hard for me is accepting that change in her life. The generation before us and even the generation before that, they're cut from a different cloth. I consider them hardcore old school. So it's interesting, like thinking of your mom, because the old school part of her probably wants to do what's best for her family. But there's probably another part of her that's like, no, I want to still live on the farm. So do you know how she made that decision and which way she was leaning and why she finally decided to stay at the senior living community? I I didn't talk with her specifically about it um, because it was hard for me emotionally to talk about it, too. And I know she had a lot of conversations with my older sister who lives nearby. And my older sisters kind of assume that role of the matriarch of the family. You know, she's the power of attorney. She's, she does everything for mom because she's close by. And so I think she talked in depth with her and, and my sister's husband about these things. But ultimately I, I, I believe she did it because she thinks it's what's best for, for everyone. How hard is it to sell someone that they're not forfeiting their old life. Can you sell it as, hey, it's a benefit to you? Really hard to do that, but you do have to look at all sides of it. You know, what are your good memories? You know, you're not giving up. You may be moving on to a different part of life, but you're not giving up your life. There's new memories to be made and it's your safety. You know, you don't have to worry about all these other things that you worry about all the time. I know I'm seeing a lady right now who has a, issues with her home needing repair and that type of thing and her home being cleaned and, you know, all those sorts of things that if she were able to go somewhere else, she wouldn't have to worry about those things. And that would help her anxiety and thereby hopefully help her blood pressure as well. So Carol, you're going through this with your own mother. 
And then you treat patients who are also going through this. What should clinicians need to know about a patient who just transitioned into a senior living community? Well, it, it is a change of life for them. And they need to, you know, to realize they still have their memories, but they can make new memories here. You know, there, it may be a grieving process for them. You know, it's, it's different. I don't have my own independence. It's something else that I'm giving up. But also just realizing that, you know, there are other things that they can also gain from that. And, you know, some of them may be going through just losing a spouse. And on top of that, they're grieving, losing their home. You know, with my mother, my, my father passed away years and years ago, but they had built that house together. They raised their children there. They lived there together. You know, he passed away in that house. And so also for her to be leaving that house, you know, that it, it may bring up that kind of a grieving again, too, of my father and the, and the life that they had. And so just realizing this is a change and acknowledging that. And, you know, let them talk about it. What What is it they're going to miss the most? What are their best memories? And how can we help them create new memories that will be just as meaningful to them? Communication is clutch, right? Yes. Because if you talk yes. about that home and talk about those memories, I think it keeps it alive. And I know a lot of people don't want to do that because they think, oh, they're going to get upset. They might cry. They might, you know, it might be hard for them. But really, a, a lot of people do want to talk about that. They want to talk about their lives. People want to talk about themselves, you know, and, and let them experience it. And maybe they do need to cry a little bit. Let them go through that because they've got to. If they don't deal with it, it, it's just it's, you know, it's going to stay inside them until they do. So, Carol, when you're working with a patient who just transitioned into a senior living community, how important is it to have a good communication chain with their family members? I mean, it, it is really important. You want them to know, you want the family members to know what's going on too. What are their concerns? And then getting from the family as well. Why did you, why did you feel it was important for them to transition? What, what did they like to do? You know, how often do you communicate with them? Is there a problem with how you're communicating? Do we need to help them be able to set up their cell phone or something like that? You know, just letting them know that we're trying to help your family member and we want you to be as involved as possible because the family member needs to know I wasn't just put here and left here. Right. There, there are those patients that feel that way. How can a clinician make this transition easier for their patient? Again, I think it's letting them talk about it. You know, what, what is it that you miss the most? What did you like to do when you had your own home? Is there, you know, some kind of activity at the facility that we can, simulate that? Or is there something that you never had the chance to do before that you want to do? Finding out what's going to keep them motivated, you know, to, to keep living their life, even though this is a change. You know, it's, it's a change. It's not, you know, we don't want this to be the end. This is the change. And what can we do to make it the best it can be? Now, do you find that there are some patients that don't want to talk about it? There are. There are. And again, then, you know, that's their choice. We don't you know, need to pry and say, oh, you've got to right, talk right. about it, but give them the opportunity. And if they don't, you know, still trying to find out, well, what are, what are some things that you really enjoy doing? What did you do in your life? What was your occupation? Well, let's see if we can find something that, you know, might be fulfilling along those lines. And do you have any tips for a younger clinician who may not have experienced this at all in their life? Or maybe this is the first time they're working with the geriatric population. This, this will happen to you or your family members at some point in your life, too. So don't belittle what they're feeling. 
you know, acknowledge that this is a change. And for the family, it's a change. And if that family member is constantly talking with you and wanting to know what's going on, it's because they're concerned. They want to, to know that their parent is okay. And just acknowledging that, that what is going on and it will affect everything that this person does. Because I would assume everything's more tender as they move into this senior living community. And understand how that's going to affect their therapy. You know, they're not focused on, you know, let's let's do a balance exercise or whatever. You know, they're focused on, well, you know, here I am. I don't know where I'm going. You know, I don't know all these people. This is all different to me. And just taking the time to let them. Sometimes you just got to take a few minutes and say, okay, what's on your mind today so that you can help them focus and get the best out of your session. I like that. And then do you have any good turnaround stories, maybe where an older adult was upset that they were relocated, but later learned to appreciate their new surroundings? Well, I think that we can see that in a lot of the places that we go. You know, people do just do find out, well, that you know, I've met new friends here and, you know, there's more opportunities to be social. You know, in, in my mother's own case, her brother ended up going to the same assisted living as her. So, you know, now she's back with some family there, too. Every, everybody is not going to just love the new situation, but there are a lot of those where they find, you know, th- this is this is okay. This is this is a good thing. And does anyone come to you for advice? Maybe knowing your personal story and say, Carol, or not not necessarily clinicians, but maybe people who have parents who are now transitioning to a senior living community. I have had some of the uh, adult children of some of my patients come to me and say, you know, I'm thinking about this and, and I can share that with them. Well, you know, I, I've, I've gone through that myself just recently with my own mother. Here's the things that we talked about. This is what was a concern to us, you know, and I, and I, I can share that with somebody else. I think that's, you know, that that's part of life. That's why we go through things is so that we can help someone else through them. And then do you keep tabs on your mom and her senior living community? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> we actually... My mother has four children and three grandchildren, so everyone's assigned a day to call her. Okay. Not that we can't call her at any time, but so she gets at least one phone call every day. You know, I'm always asking her, so did you go to exercise class today? Do you need to get back in therapy? Did you go to activities? You know, all this kind of stuff. And she's just like, yes, I exercise every day, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I just... I want to keep her active and, and she lives so far away from me now. I don't get to see her that often, but just try to keep her motivated over the phone that, you know, find something every day that you can appreciate. And do you stay on top of the staff at the senior living community? (laughs) You know, I, I haven't talked with them a lot, but I know that my older sister does because she's, she's there twice a week um, at least. And, you know, I know that they are monitoring, you know, any health concerns that she has, they're calling her doctor right away. So, you know, when I go there, (laughs) Actually, the staff is more concerned with they'd rather pet my mother's cat than talk to me. So <laughs> I don't I don't myself a lot. But through my sister, I know that, you know, other family members are constantly in communication with the staff. Yeah, I'm just curious about sort of like the whole clinical community and then the personal ties you have, because I was wondering if you would go into a senior living community and see the PT that maybe your mother was receiving. Like, no, no, don't do that. Do this. Are there any situations <laughs> well, like that? 
She has told me about certain things that the PTs haven't are doing. I'm like, why are they having you do that, mom? I think it'd be easier if you did it this way, you know, but I, you know, and again, it's her describing to me and right. me not seeing, but I'm like, yeah, I, I think if you did it this way, you might get better results, but you know, it's another thing. It's family, you know? And you listen to other people before you listen to your family. It doesn't matter that's, what no, your that's true. And that's is. absolutely true. <laughs> With my patients every day too, they'll do things. I ask them too that you know their their adult daughter or son tells them the same thing. And well, it doesn't mean as much when it does when it comes from you. You know, I, I've gotten that from my mother, and I've seen that from other patients as well. No, I, I <clears> wish <throat> my son would listen to me like he listens to his baseball coach. <laughs> it doesn't get better. <laughs> <laughs> And before we go to break, Carol, when did you relocate to Georgia or how did you end up in Georgia? I've been in Georgia probably about 13 years now. I did travel work. And so I worked all over the country. And that's when I kind of, that's how I came to Savannah. And I just kind of settled here. But I still try to get back home at least twice a year to see my family and as often as I can and as often as the airlines will let me with the <laughs> with the high prices that they charge. But it's it, through travel work is, is how I came to live down here. And you're happy in Georgia. I do like it here. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. But when we come back, more with Carol Stemsrud right here on the Live Better Longer podcast. Are you sensing a theme on the Live Better Longer podcast this month? I am chatting with a PT because it is PT month. Yes, we will be celebrating physical therapy all month long, not only on the Live Better Longer podcast. We'll do it on our blog content, which you can find at foxrehab.org. And we are also doing it across our social media channels. So make sure to follow all of that action and Make sure to celebrate your favorite PT during PT Month. So before we get back with Carol, one of my favorite PTs, I just want to move ahead one month. On Thursday, November 9th, Fox Rehabilitation will be hosting another live virtual game day, just like we did during National Assisted Living Week. So mark it down on your calendar. Thursday, November 9th, 10.30 a.m. East, 9.30 a.m. Central. You just go to Fox Rehabilitation's Facebook page and you can tune in live. And the video stays up afterwards, so if you can't make it live, you can also watch it after the fact. And it's a cool trivia event. If you are participating live, send us a message. We'll shout you out. It's very simple. It's very fun. We ask you 25 trivia questions and you see how well you can do during the event. So once again, this is all happening on Thursday, November 9th, 10.30 a.m. East, 9.30 a.m. Central. And you can RSVP on Fox Rehabilitation's Facebook page under the Events tab. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am chatting with Fox physical therapist Carol Stemsrud. Carol, a question I always ask. So you are a clinician, you're a neurology clinical specialist. That carries a lot of weight, especially since you're seeing different patients throughout the week and you're kind of carrying their stories and their burden on your shoulders. So when you are not working, what do you do to decompress and have fun? <laughs> it's funny you would ask me that now because I have so many people that just 
don't leave my mind because of concerns that I have. But um, I, I love to sing. I sing in a couple different groups. Um, I'm a runner. Wait, I, wait, wait. Let's I, let's stop at the singing. <laughs> wait, you sing in a couple different groups? Um, I sing in an acapella quartet, and then I sing in a church choir. So do you have a favorite artist? Do you have a favorite type of music? Well, I, I've loved music all my life. I like a lot of different types of music. You know, particularly we with the quartet, we try to sing a little of everything. You know, we do some sacred stuff so we can perform in some churches, but we do some popular stuff. And Like what? What's like a hit of yours right now? Oh, gosh. You would ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um we did a variety show a while ago. We um, something like "And So It Goes" by Billy Joel. You know, some things like that. We're working on "Africa" by Toto. Yeah, right now. all right. We're trying to get "Love Shack," but we can't get the right music. But we're working on that. <laughs> did you did you help with your team's spirit video this year? I had to say no. I did not. Ah, I know <laughs> you could win, you could win it for them. I know we had very talented people do it. I, I know it, it was done very well, but I, I'm just saying if you did like a song parody or a reworking of a song, like you switched around the lyrics, I think you could win. So next year, next, next year. year, next, next year. year. All right. So we know you like to sing. You also like to run. Mm -hmm. Do you do races? I've done nine half marathons. Oh my gosh. And the last one was very cold and very wet, but I did it. <laughs> And what what time do you average? Like do you go do you just do it to run or do you go for a specific time? I mainly do it to run. About two and a half hours is is, okay. is around my average. All right. And do you have any shows you watch? Books? I don't read as much as I, I used to. I love to read as a kid and now I just read when I have to, which is bad, I know. Um and you know, TV these days I watch reruns. I just don't find much new on there that it's really <laughs> All right, so if you're if you're really decompressing weird. today, say you had a long day at work and you just want to chill out, what rerun are you watching tonight? My go-to is The Big Bang Theory. Okay, all right. <laughs> and I love Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy as well. <laughs> Great. Those are two. We can hang out. Although my father-in-law would probably want to hang out with you more than me because he is addicted to Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I'll watch it just because it's always on, but he will make a point to watch it. And then I'm down I'm down with the Jeopardy. Yeah. All right. Some days it makes you feel really smart. Some <laughs> days it makes you feel really stupid. <laughs> well, Carol, thank you for the time today. I appreciate it. And all the best with you, your mother, and your family. Well, thank you for letting me express that. You know, I just, I wanted to put it out there. You know, all of us are going to go through this at some time. You know, reach out to others. It's, you know, we just want the best for our older adults. But I'm glad that you talked about it because you would ask the same from your patients. If you don't talk about what's bothering you, it's not going to go away. That's right. That's right. So, Carol, you have to come back. Well, thank you. I enjoyed this. In the meantime, good luck with Love Shack. Oh, thank you yes. very much. <laughs> For Carol Stemsrud, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. <laughs> 